And so our subject uh, this morning is coming from Mark chapter 2, and we're at the last section of it, which beheaded the Lord of the Sabbath. And we're just looking at that um, short, short number of verses from verse 23 just through to 28. We'll just read it together first of all. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some of the ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. I just want to link in, just uh, from what Ian was talking about uh, last week, uh, just the, the last two verses of the section that Ian looked at was um, verses 21 and 22 of um, the section that he read, which refers to, uh, I'll, I'll just read them again. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wine, the wine skins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wine skins. And so this follows on what we've just read the, into that section, because I believe that section was the Lord, in all his grace and his love, was referring to new Christians, effectively. New people who were, they were dealing with the difficulty of um, coming to terms with the new teaching of the Lord Jesus. And like any new Christian today, when if you're coming from something into something that's new, it takes time. And the Lord is gracious in this, and he's, he's saying, look, you have to be very careful uh, that you don't burden people too much with commandments and statutes and laws that really just burden them and he was expressing that so lovingly one of the things I think we're certainly very guilty of and I certainly experienced it in my own life is that, you, that, that Christianity and following the Lord Jesus should be a joy it should be something that we really love that we want to follow him. We want to read his word. We want to make sure that we follow in his footsteps and his teachings and understand them and talk to each other about them. But if, and sometimes happens, you're burdened with, thou shalt not, I used to call them, thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. And if you're a Christian, you can't do this and you can't do that. Then very soon you think, <coughs> What's all this about? Uh, 
do I really want to give my life to someone where it's just, oh dear, uh, it just burdensome. The Lord was aware of this. And it was not what he wanted, of course. He was preaching peace. He was preaching rest. He was preaching joy and happiness. And this is why he wanted people to follow him, because of love. This is when we're coming into the subject of the Sabbath. Um, I know I was brought up with uh, Sunday being the Sabbath. And most of you probably are the same. I don't, I'll go into that maybe a little bit later. But the, the Sabbath was something that was very special for the Jews. And it, of course, it was the seventh day. And it was the day that was set aside for rest. I remember when I was younger, you know, that the first day of the week, Sunday, was a day of rest. It was anything but. Because there were so many meetings to go to. And I can always remember as a little boy uh, being taken outside the house and planked there and putting all my finery and so I got ready to go to church and uh, told stay there and don't move and all my friends were out playing and I remember one time just the pressure just got too great so I went off and play, played with my friends and my mother was absolutely uh, uh, beside herself with rage because I'd got dirty <laughs> and she had to bring me back in and change me and all the rest of it but it instilled in me, uh, I'm not blaming my mother, <laughs> but it instilled in me this uh, first day of the week was a day where you couldn't play. <laughs> As a child, you couldn't play. You had to go and sit in the back of a hall and listen to uh, people, say, dro droning on. <laughs> <coughs> and uh, you think, where was the joy in it? Now, it wasn't all like that, of course. But I think the, the importance of it, of, of understanding, is where does this Sabbath rest come from? And what is the importance of it? Because this, this particular point was when the disciples were hungry. They're walking through fields, and in their hunger they plucked the heads of the corn, and they rubbed them in their hands to get rid of the, uh, the what do you call it? the surrounds of the, the corn so that they're left with the edible bit. So they were, they were um, threshing it effectively in their hands. And uh, the Pharisees pick up on this and say, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that on the Sabbath. And of course, the Lord was pointing it. This is just another law. This is a law. The Pharisees actually says in Deuteronomy 23 that you can pluck uh, the corn, that you can eat the grapes of your neighbour's field uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what they're picking up on is, ah, but it's the Sabbath. So what do you do in the Sabbath? You don't do anything. You're not allowed to do anything. <laughs> and they were almost looking at this is threshing, this is work. And of course <laughs> the Lord pointed out the story that happened when David and his men were hungry. And the law was quite clear that um, they couldn't eat the showbread. That was the, the, the bread that was put before in, the, in the holy place. The 12 loaves that for a week were put there representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And they were renewed with fresh bread. 
and the old bread was eaten by the priest. But what do you do in a situation where David and his men are absolutely starving and there's no other bread available? Are they expected just to drop down dead and die of hunger? Of course not. And the Lord was pointing this out to them in all graciousness that what is the laws of God and what is the laws of man? And it's really the heart we should be looking at here. And the, and the fact that the, the Lord Jesus was allowing this to happen with his disciples, he was pointing out, first of all, to the Pharisees their ignorance, that they didn't know the scriptures. They didn't understand why it was all right for David to do what he did. Even although the law stated something different. There are times when you've got to use common sense. And the same as the Lord was doing when in saying that really, what does it mean to rest? What does it doesn't mean you don't do this and you don't do that. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. So we deal with the two aspects. One, the plucking. He's pointing out that actually that's man's law and that, that is not doing it for the right reasons we have laws that are governed in order to help and to assist that are not scriptural the scriptural ones are quite clear you know we, we stick to that that's the basis there's lots of things in churches of god that we do because it's prudent to do it in a particular way it's not scriptural but we agree that this is the best thing to do. Uh, this is a, the, the, the most important uh, aspect of, of homing in on heartfelt desires to be obedient to God. And it's not, we, we don't expect a rebellious attitude, and, and neither did the Lord. But saying, you know, that um, because um, you, it's not in the Bible, I'm not going to do it. You're wanting to, to sort of look at these things um, sensibly and do it in love for the ultimate being an appreciation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that it brings me back really to where does the Sabbath come from? And of course, you go right away back to the creation and in, in Genesis where the Lord God of heaven, when he created all things, it says that in the seventh day he rested. Why did he rest? And it wasn't because he was tired. <laughs> it wasn't because he had had a bad week. <laughs> Whether it was a week of six days, which I don't expect it was, because when he was creating the world, he obviously created the, the sun and the moon, and he created the earth, and he created the earth to revolve around the sun, and therefore he created time. So. What time did it start? Uh, anyway, never mind. Whatever period of time it was, it clearly teaches us, you know, in 1 Colossians 15, that all things were made by God. All things were made by Christ. He was uh, involved in creation. He was active in every aspect of creation. So that when it came to the end of the sixth day, into the seventh day, God rested because 
everything he had done was perfect. Everything he had done was good. And it's a picture, I think, of the triune God just enjoying the creation, enjoying what they had created, what they had put in place, and realising, put it this way, God doesn't just suddenly realise anything, but in his uh, omnipotence and, and cl clarity of uh, everything that he did, he, he realises then, uh, as he's done this, that this was a benefit for man. And therefore, in order for him to stop and enjoy his creation, he is enjoying his son, who was so active, involved in the creation. And therefore, realising that that would be a benefit to us as mankind, so that in our week of work, which initially would have been hard graft of growing things and feeding animals and uh, milking them and, and living and, and hard work, there was a necessity to set aside a time which was to focus our attention on Christ. And that was what, why the Sabbath was introduced right at the beginning. God rested because he enjoyed creation. He enjoyed his son. He enjoyed this triune Godhead together. He enjoyed the creation and he wanted man to do the same. And you see here how man had distorted it with the laws. And the story about me, myself, being brought up with this sort of wrong attitude of what Sunday was all about, a day where you couldn't do these things, rather than being focused on just enjoy Christ. Because that's the important thing, we have to spend time being looking at the Lord of the Sabbath, looking at the, the one who's responsible for all our joy. And God rested. And when you look at that word rest, that need is to, to be able to satisfy the body, both physically and spiritually, and to be able to uh, appreciate the greatness of God and the atoning work of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be able to <coughs> rejoice. So whilst we've, we've moved, and uh, I, I don't want to go into this in too much detail, with, of course, that you might think, well, <coughs> why do we not keep the Sabbath now? <coughs> it's a very good question because in the early churches, it says that they gathered together on the first day of the week. One of the uh, suggestions, if you like, about why it moved from Sabbath, seventh day, to Lord's day, first day, was because of the resurrection of Christ. Um, I think from the historical point of view, you have difficulties of arguing that point because it was a Roman emperor that, uh, who was a Catholic uh, who made the decision <laughs> to actually 
um, move from the Sabbath to the first day as being a day of rest. And he changed the calendar. So that was the physical historical reason for it. But the fact that the early Christians gathered together on the first day of the week to remember the Lord Jesus, then that's an argument for saying that that would be a day that would be set apart. And arguably, they say that that would be the day of rest. It, it, it's not a strong argument. But I think the, the, the main thing to me is there is a need for a day of rest. There is a need for contemplation. There is a need, as we have done this morning, to be able to come together and to worship and to be focusing our attention on the person of Christ, not just for an hour, but for a day. As God rested and he saw in his creation the beauties of his son. One of the things that um, we often talk about together, isn't it, when we're appreciating Christ, is to look at his creation. That there's even the little flowers. I mean, the scriptures even talk about it. I mean, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these little flowers. And it's only a tiny aspect of the creation of God. Sometimes when you look at these uh, nature programs, and I was looking at one the other day there with David Attenborough was, it had, was showing pictures of a machine that had gone down uh, miles under the water and they had found creatures that were absolutely beautiful. And nobody had ever seen them because they were so far down. They didn't live uh, where man <laughs> could dive to. So you had to have a special machine, which had only been recently uh, manufactured that could go that deep. And then they see something that has been there for since the creation of the world. And you think, well, what was the point of that? Nobody could see it, but all these people that have gone before us never saw this beauty. But God did. And you think, you know, when God rested, and he just enjoyed his creation. He was enjoying things that we never see. <laughs> and you think, well, that is, is marvellous. You think, could, we can be so self-centred and think, well, if we don't see it, we don't enjoy it, what's the point of it? <laughs> but to be thinking that God created these things and these things are being revealed bit by bit. It's like when you go to a foreign country and you've never been before and you think, wow, this is a beautiful place. Uh, I've never been here before. Many, many millions of people never ever go to these places to enjoy it. But God's created it and he enjoys it. When it comes to transferring that to the person of Christ, do you not get the same feeling when you're studying Christ, when you're meditating on the person of Christ, that you get a little bit of beauty and glory that you get out of the scriptures that you never saw before. And it's a bit like you've gone down in this machine <laughs> into the depths and you've seen something, a little fish or something, a bit of coral or whatever it might be, and think, wow, that's beautiful. That's what we should be getting with Christ all the time. Is that what God enjoys? 
in the Godhead together. That there's so many aspects of Christ. And so when it says that he's the Lord of the Sabbath, I think what that means, and really this is the main point of what I'm, I want to just get across, he's the Lord of the Sabbath, is that, that we need to spend time, and whether it's the seventh day, or whether it's the first day, we need to be focused on Christ, to be giving him time. And again, you, you can be pharisaical about it and say that it's Sunday and it starts at this time and it finishes at that time and in that time you must not do this, this and this, you must do that, that and that. Basically, all it is is spend time meditating on the Lord. He is the Lord of the Sabbath and therefore if we're not spending time meditating on him, enjoying him, and allowing God to, in this Holy Spirit within us, to reveal him, then we're not enjoying the Sabbath. We are not enjoying the rest. And you end up, if this world gets its way, that you'd have seven days, and actually you don't have a Sabbath, because you don't spend any time, I don't spend any time set apart, to just enjoy <coughs> rest with my Bible rest in meditation rest in just appreciating the handiwork of God and all that he's done for me and all that he is going to do for me and just to be resting and enjoying that so whether we look at Sunday as being our Sabbath, which I don't have a problem with at all, because to take the argument that, well, we move on to the resurrection, <laughs> that uh, in the Old Testament there was no resurrection, so therefore it was the seventh day. But now, because we are looking at the Lord who's raised the Son of Man, who's gone before us, he's gone through the veil, he's gone into heaven, he is a resurrected one, then... Is it really that difficult for us to then shift to the first day of the week as being effectively our Sabbath, the time where we come together to remember him, but also a day where in contemplation that we are giving him a time of rest to meditate on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So I think this, this teaching of the Lord was showing us his flexibility, if that's the right way of saying it, that it was not just hard laws that didn't mean anything. I mean, how cruel it seems to be, uh, the, the, the way the Pharisees lived, they seemed to be going around and uh, <coughs> almost looking for excuses to criticize and to uh, point the finger. And you think, what kind of Christianity? <laughs> I know it wasn't, they didn't see it as such, but. We often talk about them being pharisaical. It's a word that we now use for hypocrisy. Uh, that was not the way that what the Lord wanted. He wanted people to enjoy Christianity, to enjoy following him, to enjoy the laws that he was giving us were ones to be enjoyed and to, to be 
joyfully followed because we are doing something following a man that we love. We are following a man that's giving us eternal life. We are enjoying uh, what we've been called into and we can rest in that and uh, appreciate that. So my encouragement for myself and for you is to the Lord of the Sabbath, um, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, the importance of time being given to the Lord to enjoy and not to be being critical of others who don't do what you do, but just purely thinking we must have time. We must have time when we gather together as a church. And that's important. We must have time when we are alone with the Lord and enjoy that um, deep meditation where he will open up our minds and hearts to enjoy him and appreciate him.